5 o'clock in Pirate Country, and 94.3 The Game is going to get you home with the P-Man. In 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Lock it in. Turn it up. It's time for the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. This is the flagship station of the ECU Pirates. And I'm proud to be an American. I guess we are all proud to be in the American today, right? Well, there are three teams that are clearly not. <laughs> well, that's true. Uh, welcome in. Our theme of Americana and American music. The Hulkster theme. Real American. Ben yesterday with American Girl and then Philip with uh, Proud to be an American. God bless the USA. Really, we just played it Proud to be an American. We should revise it Proud to be in the American is, is how it ought to be. Yeah, Lee Greenwood didn't make the song for no, us, sadly. He did not. Uh, welcome in, everybody. It's great to have you with us. Patrick Johnson here. Uh, as we have uh, quite a show for you here today, have our pirate report coming up in a few minutes. Also, we're going to have uh, Austin Cox, who has uh, been long affiliated with the American. He used to have the American Daily Podcast. We'll find out what he's up to now. I think he's doing some work for some websites and valleys in the Midwest, but uh, we'll catch up with Austin coming up in a few minutes. He's kind of, uh, well, he's not kind of, he is very much still connected with the American and uh, has been kind of following this story, tweeting some reporting and some opinion uh, at C. Austin Cox on Twitter. So check him out there. Also check us out if you're uh, on Twitter doing that at 943thegame, and also you can follow me at P-Man on air. Uh, the ref, Philip Pilkington, is uh, here today. Good to see you, Philip. Glad to be here. Good to see you, Patrick. We've got uh, Philip coming up with uh, an update in a little bit. Uh, the volleyball brackets have also been uh, released. Uh, heavy, heavy Pitt County uh, influence uh, there. So check that out. Uh, we've got uh, a link to the uh, story on uh, WRL, from WRL Sports Fan uh, coming up. All right. Uh, so it was made official today. Six schools will join the American. Uh, the date to be determined, all of it seems to be like it is going to be the tw- uh, 2023 year. But uh, the University of Alabama at Birmingham, Florida Atlantic University, the University of North Carolina at Charlotte, UNC Charlotte, as they're known around these parts academically, athletically, they want to be branded as Charlotte, the University of North Texas, Rice University, and the University of Texas, San Antonio. Uh, FAU, of course, Boca Raton, part of the the Miami Metro. Denton is where North Texas is. That's part of the Dallas-Fort Worth Metro. Uh, and obviously, you kind of know where the others are. Birmingham uh, is the home of UAB, et cetera, et cetera. So the six universities will join the nine continuing members of the American, ECU, Memphis, Navy, which is football only, South Florida, SMU, SMU, Temple, Tulane, Tulsa, and Wichita State the Wheat Shockers uh, in hoops and Olympic sports only. 15 total members now in the American with a football-only member in Navy and uh, a non-football member in Wichita State. Mike Oresco holding court today. This is Mike Oresco on why these schools made sense. These schools make great sense for us from many different perspectives. You know, a geographical sense, clearly, by virtue of their location in major cities that add to our extensive media footprint, 
will have a significant presence in four of the top 10, seven of the top 25, and 12 of the top 51 media markets. And we've seen firsthand in cities like Philadelphia, Dallas, Houston, and Memphis, the kind of impact that uh, occurs when, when a city gets behind our teams and when you, you get the media attention that these metropolitan areas and the surrounding areas provide. So Birmingham is a burgeoning market. Let's face it, UAB is the third university in the state of Alabama, but the city of Birmingham has the highest ratings for college football, which is the second highest rated sport on television. Now, granted, a lot of that is Alabama and Auburn, but we've seen a resurgence in the UAB program. They've built a stadium that makes sense downtown. It's a good size. And we've I've said pretty consistently on here the last few weeks, I have no problem at all. UAB is a great logical choice to join the American. Florida Atlantic has, uh, you know, made their football stadium look nice. I think they still have some challenges with uh, some of their athletic facilities. But their football stadium is pretty decent. And uh, Florida Atlantic is probably, uh, you know, if you're going to try to corner the South Florida market, they're about as good as any you're going to get. Look, the U doesn't draw any, you know, when the U was in the Orange Bowl, that was the U. Now that they're playing in the Dolphins Stadium, which is nowhere near the campus, different story. Uh, Charlotte, football stadium that does have the ability to grow a little. You don't have the Jerry Richardson factor there anymore. He'd pumped some money into that thing to begin with. $10 million, I believe it was. Yeah, I can tell you who will not be pumping a nickel into that is Tepper. If Tepper could get a nickel from them, he'll get one. Guy likes to charge for everything. But uh, there's, I, I, I do feel like there's great growth potential with Charlotte. Obviously, that's the, the recruiting hotbed in the state, that region. Uh, North Texas, as we've told you, in Denton, uh, big enrollment, big alumni base, a, a really good academic institution. And, uh, you know, they're right there basically where the conference offices are. Texas San Antonio, to me, is the diamond in the rough in this whole thing. And all along, I felt like that was that if you could get them, that would be a coup. I just think they have the most potential. They do have, you know, the Spurs in town. I guess there's a WNBA uh, team. But I mean, other than that, there's really no pro sports. Other than the Spurs, there's really no pro sports to speak of in that town. You're not dealing like you are in Charlotte with a pro football team in town. You're not dealing like you are in Birmingham with, you know, the top program in the country basically owning the town along with Auburn, which has shown the ability to be a national championship program. So in a way, UAB is a lot like ECU. I mean, and I don't mean this disrespectful. I'm, I'm an alum. I'm as proud a pirate as you will find. And I want us to do great in everything. But, you know, it's the kind of the, in some ways, it's considered the third university in the state. UAB's considered that as well. I think he's used done a lot of amazing things as an institution without anywhere near the funding. And that comes down to things like leadership and determination, and, and those, are, those are shows we've done in the past. We could do those shows again in the future. The Rice thing is still perplexing to me, so I do plan to ask Austin about that when we have him on, bottom of the hour. Everything else I can... I, I could get down with everything else. At the end of the day, though, 
ESPN, this is who they wanted for whatever reason. This is who I guess the America could agree on that they wanted. And look, I get last night they were packed in Boone. But they dump all their resources into football. And that was a great environment. That looks good. But we're talking out of both sides of our mouths here. You know, we shouldn't worry about TV markets because we should worry about, you know, we should be concerned about attendance and that sort of thing. Well, what else, What the hell else is there to do in Boone? A whole lot of nothing. Uh, right. I guess go skiing in the wintertime. You can go skiing. But, I mean, that's right. what – Two months out of the year because it's North Carolina, not the Rockies. Enjoy jam bands. I mean, what else is there to really do in Boone? And they look, their football program right now, as a program, it's one of the top maybe two in the state. As a program. Not as a t- as a program. Just look at the last 10 or 15 years. They're probably one of the better programs in the state. Oh, for sure. I think they are where, in a lot of ways, ECU was a few years ago. Yeah, I mean, they've won six bowl games in the last six years. They've, I believe, won yeah, 10 it's a, it's or a, averaged 10 wins It's a, a healthy year. program. Have they gotten in the American? Who knows? It probably football would have really taken off. But they don't put any money into anything else. They don't. There are, coach, there are assistant coaches on this campus who make more than head coaches in Boone in these other sports. It's a fact. So... You know, just going with passionate fan bases alone, ECU kind of slipped in there a few years ago into the American. People were groaning and complaining and bitching about that. Other, you know, institutions and their fans. And we're finally starting to look like we're going to live up to the billing in football. Certainly when we first got into the American, you had a, a great year or two. Baseball's been the best program in the American. And the other sports have had their moments as well. But football is starting to turn the corner to be a representative American member. I think there's a lot of growth potential here. The Rice thing, again, I can't really, I, I don't get that. I, I need somebody to explain that to me. The North Texas thing, I kind of live with that. But, you know, why not at ODU? Coastal, I kind of understand. Why not Marshall? Again, I think these are just questions, but I I think it comes back to the end of the day, what's going to happen with uh, the worldwide leaders sort of pulling the strings here as we see. By the way, uh, Texas-San Antonio, 24th in the polls this week, 7-0. Representative football program. I I, I just think that's that's the sleeping giant out of this group. I think Charlotte, this will help Charlotte immensely, but I I think you could see Texas-San Antonio really start to take off. Uh, this is Mike Oresco talking about the fact that he claims the American heard from a number of schools that had interest. Uh, as we studied uh, expansion, you know, we heard from a number of schools who expressed interest in, in joining the conference, who saw the success that our members have had in this conference over the first nine years, and they wanted to be part of, of what is a promising future. It, but as that process played out, it became clear that we had a great opportunity to shape the long-term future by adding schools that not only share our philosophy of competition at the highest level, but have shown that they're willing to make the necessary investments to do so. The end of the day, and, and, and I've kind of talked to, heard from two different sources, if you will, on this. One, I, I think the details are a little more than I can 
confidently give out. The other, what they told me and what the second source is told, it kind of affirms this. But as far as I can tell from what I've been what I've been told, that from the monetary standpoint for current members, things are going to stay the same. Now, there's, I think there's a scale, there's growth, that sort of thing. But if you're ECU and you're getting $7 million, let's say, for the next 7, 10, 12 years, whatever it is, you're going to get that. If you're Charlotte, you're not going to get that. That'll be a smaller fraction. I think there's some help to help these schools with their exit fee out of Conference USA as well, so that factors into it. There's a lot of economy and, and things going on, and I just don't want to put a bunch out there that I'm not 100% confident in. But what I was privy to today makes sense from what I was told a couple days ago about you know, bringing these schools in. They're not going to get the amount of money. They're not the full-fledged member on this contract, at least in the early goings. They're not going to be. It may not be till the next round of negotiations. But if ESPN was behind this, you got to think that ESPN is going to value. So from my, it's my understanding and this is what Mike Oresco has reportedly, I've been told, have, has told, you know, ADs, I assume presidents and chancellors of universities in this conference that ESPN has said, hey, you're, you're, the money does not go down with the departure of those schools. Uh, and, and this is apparently what bringing six in sort of does. It's what collectively, I guess, they, they stand to do. So that's... As I understand it right now, we hope to get some more answers. We asked John Gilbert to be on uh, today. John is out of town at a retreat. Not sure we can get him in tomorrow, but uh, we'll try as soon as we can to get him on with us to uh, talk about this. And we, we might try to get him to call into the pregame this weekend. But I, I hope next week we can maybe do more of a longer, more comprehensive sort of thing with John on this. Speaking of which, he did release a statement today. We welcome the new members to the American Athletic Conference as we see the landscape of the conference realignment unfold. Our focus on excellence and competitiveness remain. East Carolina is fortunate to have a supportive community and surrounding region. Pirate Nation should be excited about the future as we embark on this journey together. All right, uh, we'll grab a break, come back, Pirate Report. Looking at a low of 64 tonight. Showers tomorrow, high of 81, 56 with scattered storms into the evening tomorrow, about a 40% shot of rain. Saturday is going to be great. Start out a little cloudy, but sun in the afternoon at 73, 79 Sunday under lots of sun. So a great weekend. And uh, just peeking ahead, things are looking okay for next Thursday. A week from tonight, the Pirates will be at home for a blackout game against USF. Uh, details on the upcoming game against Houston on Saturday. We'll hear from the coordinators when we return on the Patrick Johnson Show. And now, Patrick Johnson with today's Pirate Report on the flagship station of the ECU Pirates, 94.3 The Game. Brought to you in part by Main and Mill Oyster Bar and Tavern in downtown Winterville. Great food and specialty drinks and craft beers. Pick Greenville Airport, convenient and comfortable to Charlotte, and then anywhere on the globe. Bill Clark Holmes. Bill Clark Holmes personifying Pirates supporting Pirates. The Seahorse Steakhouse where you always get Danny's steaks and Mama's cakes. All right, that is uh, your Pirate Report list for today, sponsoring the uh, big uh, the big uh, report here. See Austin Cox on this uh, move with the six teams joining the American bottom of the hour. So let's go ahead and hear from uh, Blake Harrell breaking down the uh, Houston Cougars. Cut one. Very solid, good offense. I mean, quarterback number three, uh, really good player. 
Started a lot of ball games out there. Does a great job running their offense. And just being the quarterback back there, getting him in the right call. You can tell he's doing a good job reading defenses. He's going to know, hey, what your disguises are, how you're going to bluff some things, and show them one high, two high, who's pressuring, who's not pressuring. He does a good job picking those things up. Um, I think their offensive line is huge, but very athletic. You know, they're not huge and sloppy. They move around really well. I think the O-line coach who was here at one time does a really nice job coaching those guys, and they're very fundamental up front. Uh, Wideouts are very impressive. Uh, number one, very quick. You know, 20 is very explosive. Tight end is really good. Very similar to the tight end from Tulane, if not better. Um, and then the tailbacks, you got different guys back there. Uh, four, you know, smaller back, home run type threat. And then uh, the freshman, 22, who's a, a bigger back. I can compare him to a, uh, a younger back from Tulane, number 20. That's kind of who I compared him to. He's a freshman, um, but doesn't play like a freshman. I think he had four or five touchdowns against Tulsa. So very good, very good offense. Got a work cut out for us. Um, you know, they're doing a good job of keeping their defense off the field. Controlling, controlling the uh, probably time possession and play clock there and doing some things, marching on the field, get some scores on the, on the, on the clock and, and score when it matters in the fourth quarter. So that's where you see them taking, taking advantage of that and, and being fresh in the fourth quarter and, and doing a good job. And the head coach does a nice job and just putting them in the right play at the right time. And then this is Blake Harrell on what the defense needs to change in the second half of the season. For me, it's the explosive plays. You know, I think at times we play some really good defense and um, – you know, we get hit with an explosive player here or there, and if we could cut those out, you know, not only are you taking scores off the board, but you're getting the ball back to your offense that much faster. Um, you know, whether it's the App State game, Marshall game, Charleston Southern game, Tulane or Central Florida. Um, and, and the thing about those explosive plays, you know, if you just go back two weeks ago at Central Florida, the explosive screen leads to, to some points on the board, three points on the board. This is, uh, as we shift to the offense, Donnie Kirkpatrick talking about how the uh... – Offense has beaten themselves sometimes during the first half of the regular season. Cut six. We beat ourselves. We do it in practice. I show them every day, you know what I'm saying? Okay, you know, snap was on the ground. Okay, that's not a skill at college, you got to say. You should be able to snap the ball, catch the ball, run the play. You should be able to know who to block. You're not always going to be able to block them. Now, you get a matchup. Sometimes the other guy wins. Sometimes you win. Okay? You know, you're not always going to tackle the guy. Sometimes he's going to make you miss, you know, whatever. That, that's good. But, you know, the, it, that's not what I'm talking about. We beat ourselves sometimes because we just go the wrong way. Or we run the wrong route, okay? Or we drop the ball. You know what I'm saying? Those are skills that have to be understood. Donnie Kirkpatrick on the key to success against Houston, not playing behind the sticks against this offense. You have to stay ahead of the chains. You know what I'm saying? Uh, not to give away too much of the strategy, but you know this is a game you might have to pitch them backwards. You know, like to say in baseball, meaning you may have to, you know, throw the ball early and run the ball late and try to keep them off balance a little bit, for example. You get in third and long, it's going to be ugly now against these guys because they pin their ears back in those defensive ends they've got. Reminds me of the guys at Tulane last year that were so good, and you get behind in the game, and, boy, you're, you're, you're struggling. So you've got to be able to stay ahead of the chains and move the ball and keep them off guard. you got to help those O-linemen. we got to use the tight ends a little bit in protection. we got to use the running backs a little bit in protection like that. So we don't, we don't want to turn it into an all-throw game, but we'll have to throw the ball well to beat these guys. All right, uh, Donnie Kirkpatrick there. Um, let's work in this other really, really quick cut here. Uh, cut five, and this you talked about how the Pirates have practiced coming off of the uh, open week. 
You know, I thought Sunday we were a little like we'd been on vacation, having to knock the rust off, kind of getting it going a little bit. Uh, then they had another day on Monday, which is their big academic day. Uh, Tuesday they came back, though, they had the energy. You know what I'm saying? It's been good. We had good practice Tuesday, a lot of energy. Everybody acted like they wanted to be there. That's important because, you know what I'm saying, you got to do the work part. You can't just play the games. And then today was really good. All right, uh, another note from today. Uh, changes coming to the basketball broadcast for ECU as uh, Michael Perry uh, will uh, – be part of the broadcast this year. He uh, served as an assistant coach at ECU for 11 seasons, and he'll join uh, Jeff Charles as the analyst on the Learfield Pirate Sports Network broadcast this season. Uh, spent 10 years, Georgia State, last five there as a head coach, so you'll hear those games uh, this season, 107.9 WNCT and 94.3. The game, looking forward to having uh, Coach Perry involved in that. Cy Seymour is really not going anywhere. Cy's going to transition over to the ESPN Plus side. Uh, That was made official today. And so uh, ESPN Plus for Pirate Hoops is scheduled to have 15 games this year. And Cy will be the analyst on uh, those games. And uh, we're really looking forward to that. Some more deets on all of that uh, in the future. But right now we got to get to Phillip. He's got an update. Bottom of the hour, thereabouts. We're going to hook up with C. Austin Cox, talk about this addition today of the six teams to the league uh, and uh, how all that transpired and where we go from here in the American. But right now, standing by, the ref, Philip Pilkington, he's got an update for you here on 94.3 The Game. It's the Patrick Johnson Show. Thanks, Patrick. Philip Pilkington here with your 94.3 The Game Sports Update. Little local high school news as the North Carolina High School Athletic Association has released the playoff brackets for the state volleyball tournament. D.H. Conley just won the Big East Conference on Tuesday as they defeated Rose. They will open their crown defense as the top seed. They will play on Saturday and will host Pine Forest. Speaking of those Rampants, they are the number two seed. They will host Trenton also on Saturday. They could um, meet familiar foes South Central in the second round. South Central will take on Scotland County in their first round matchup. Aiden Grifton is the number two seed in the 2A side. They'll take on Franklin Academy, and Farmville Central will host East Dublin on Saturday as well. little high school football in action tonight. Parrot Academy senior night as they host Grace Christian the Patriots are 6 and 0 and look to close or will close the regular season out against JP2 next Friday night from the American Athletic Conference it is official that six teams will join Florida Atlantic Charlotte North Texas UTSA and Rice earlier today Mike Oresco explained why these schools made sense these schools make great sense for us from many different perspectives you know, a, a geographical sense, clearly, by virtue of their location in major cities that add to our extensive media footprint, will have a significant presence in four of the top 10, seven of the top 25, and 12 of the top 51 media markets. And we've seen firsthand in cities like Philadelphia, Dallas, Houston, and Memphis, the kind of impact that uh, occurs when, when a city gets behind our teams and when you, you get the media attention that these metropolitan areas and the surrounding areas provide. 
Little news from the NFL, the Philadelphia Eagles have taken star tight end Dallas Goddard off the COVID list. The Seahawks have claimed quarterback Jason, Jacob Eason off waivers as they have placed Russell Wilson on IR. Tonight, the Browns host the Broncos. The Browns are two-point favorites. Cleveland will be without quarterback Baker Mayfield, running back Nick Chubb, and roughly 20 players have been announced as questionable, including Odell Beckham Jr., and it has been announced despite missing last week's game, wide receiver Jarvis Landry will play. Tonight in Game 5 of the NLCS, the Dodgers host the Braves, who currently lead the series 3-1. Max Fried will tow the mound for the Braves. In Game 1 of this series, he allowed just two runs on eight hits and struck out five in six innings of work. The Dodgers will start reliever Joe Kelly, who has appeared three times in this series so far. He has retired all seven batters, five of them via the strikeout. That'll do it for your 94-3 The Game Sports Update. Patrick is joined by Austin Cox after this timeout. Eventful day in the American, and when we booked uh, our guest yesterday, we're about to talk to. Uh, we kind of left the phone conversation initially. We had with him. it was like, ah, oh, who knows what will be happening in 24 hours? We know what's happened in 24 hours. The six members uh, of Conference USA that were reported to be coming to the American have officially been introduced today. Uh, C. Austin Cox, friend of the program for a long time, now with BCSNN. Uh, had the American Daily podcast for a number of years. Podcaster, and he's a guy that follows the American uh, as well as anybody in uh, in really college sports in my mind. Hey, Austin, great to talk to you again. Thanks for taking a few minutes. Always a pleasure, Patrick. Always uh, fun to come here on the program and talk to you, buddy. Pirate Nation loves to hear from you, so that's uh, that's that. You've been burning up Twitter uh, here lately. Uh, certainly, we were going to talk about these six schools, and you know what. What uh, what your thoughts are now? They're official members, going to be starting here in a couple of years. Pretty interesting yeah. stuff. Uh, my my, how times are changing. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff out there now. How Houston's uh, still going to end up getting graded? It, it's kind of a crazy thing. But uh, what's your reaction to today and, and the news now that it's official? But I tell you what, it's uh, like a lot of people. I'm sure, uh, especially down there, uh, you know, in North Carolina, the fans of the ECU Pirates, uh, you know. I'm a little, I, I got a lot of mixed emotions, Patrick. I mean, it, it's one of those things where you want to find the positives, you look at it, and there's plenty to be positive about, but you can't help but, you know, immediately look at it. And especially with everything going on, you know, you, you're looking around yourself and thinking, were these the best choices? And I, and I hate to be the, the Debbie Downer, but <laughs> it's impossible to look at this and not think, were there some other choices on the board? And you know, I, I know you're very well aware of the situation behind closed doors and, you know, some of the things that went on leading to this. But, you know, you really you really just hope for the best. And, and well, <laughs> I know that's probably not what yeah. everyone wants to hear. But so, so you, you look at it, that's so, kind of how you feel. So you say that, you know, I've heard certain things, things you're reporting on, things you've told me also uh, away from, uh, you know, on air, uh, sort of yeah. confirm some things I, I've been told. But. You know, the thing to me that it's been very, very, things were very, very public, it seemed, for a while, that things were very, very secretive. So I, you may know some of this, you may not. 
I just think it's important to kind of try to sort this out. Um, yeah. Was there any truth to the mo- to the the movement, the murmurs, the discussion that the American was in a catbird seat and they were going to kind of pick through the Big Twelve? I mean, was there any truth to that at any point? It, it absolutely was. That that was the craziest thing, and how it flipped so fast uh, really boiled down to one thing: uh, it's the Big Twelve autonomy status. Nobody had looked at the situation and thought about that because ESPN, uh, everybody was going at this with the same kind of mentality, same kind of mindset as 2011, 2013. It was, you know, find out what the best product's going to be, put the pieces where we want them to be, and the conferences will just do what we want. They're going to line up how we want. Unfortunately, of course, for the American, the Big 12 is an autonomy conference. And in 2013, when it gained that status, it gains something that's very valuable. It just that's not going to go away with the grants or rights. It's not going to uh, vanish with the next TV, next round of TV contracts. That autonomy status made things a lot different. And once ESPN realized that, okay, these these hateful eight, as they've been coined, <laughs> the uh, the remaining schools there in the Big Twelve, once they realized, okay, we can't get them to separate. Well, then that's when the the script flipped, so to speak, mm-hmm. and we ended up where we are right now. So they obviously extend the invitation to BYU and then the three in the American Cincinnati where you're in that area of the country, uh, UCF and Houston. Uh, by the way, Austin yeah. Cox with us uh, here, BCSNN, uh, BCSNN.com. They cover college sports. Uh, he has for years followed the American, had the American Daily Podcast for a long, long time as well. Austin, uh, so, all right, Mountain West. Everybody's really excited about Colorado yeah. State. Air Force, Boise State. Oh, Boise State. Uh, and then I, I guess San Diego State was maybe in the mix at one point. Yeah. Were, were those legitimate? Because that really got out pretty quick. Were those legitimate offers, and was that a legitimate conversation? Oh, well, I'm going to give you the first response, Patrick, which is exactly what Michael Rezga would tell you, that you know, no official invitation was ever given out to anybody in the Mountain West. Uh, those things happened publicly, and uh, nothing was officially ever done. There was no offer to any of the Mountain West schools. Okay. Now, the reality of it is <laughs> uh, right. Air Force was ready to jump. They were excited about having the uh, Navy conference game, part of the Commander-in-Chief Cup being right. a conference game. They were excited about the possibility of playing teams here in the East Coast and for the recruiting. Colorado State seem to be excited about it. Something happened with Boise State, very similar. It felt like a little bit of deja vu from 2013 in this instance as well. Or excuse me, it was actually uh, December 2012, uh, where Boise State somehow rallied those troops around Craig Thompson, which I'm not going to eat up your airtime talking about Craig Thompson, but he's not the most capable commissioner. And that's just, you know, he used to be ranked below Larry Scott. The mountain, what, the guy at the Mountain West, the guy who's the commissioner at the Mountain West, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Craig Thompson, and for them to get them to rally around Craig Thompson, who many of those Mountain West schools, their presidents, their administrators have been asking for Craig Thompson, who's been their commissioner this entire process. They want him gone. It's just it's been a headache for these schools, and for them to suddenly about face and rally around Boise State, which, as you know, and I'm sure all your listeners know, Boise State's trying to get out of the Mountain West. Yeah. That is a muddled situation out there. Well, I was going to say, is it 
you know, Boise got this really sweet TV deal from the conference, yeah. which obviously pays. It, it's it's like Texas almost. They get paid more than anybody else in that conference. Texas got paid or had more, you know, kind of a more favorable television situation uh, in the Big yeah. Twelve than than really anybody else with the ill-fated Longhorn Network. Um, so I, you know, I I think that that was sort of the deal with Boise because they controlled their own home game media rights. They were separate from the conference's media rights. And, you know, I would always wonder, what the hell's Boise on this, you know, 10 o'clock Saturday night playing Nobody State when there's, you know, some yeah. real games on that I would actually like to watch. And they're on ESPN sucking up all that air. Well, that's why. Um, but I guess Boise, little homeboy Hall of Fame here, came back and backed the commissioner who <laughs> gave them such a sweet deal. That, that's kind of what I'm picking up what you're putting down there. Is that right? And that's essentially the, the summary of this whole thing, and it's a very confusing situation, especially yeah. for Colorado State fans. We've seen a lot of kickback from them. Air Force fans, who are usually probably most uh, subdued, they're a lot like Navy. They they kind of hang back. And, yeah. But they well, yeah, they're yeah. about it. A right. lot of these people are surprised because they don't want to sit there. They don't want to stay in that league. The fans don't. Where, as you mentioned, Boise State has that deal where their home games are sold separately, giving them better exposure, giving them more money. It, it's a strange thing for those schools to stay there, but they've made their choice. And I do believe that the American, at the very least, will continue to outperform the Mountain West when it comes to TV viewership because right. of that TV deal that Arezco does, you know, he's not the greatest commissioner on the planet. I, you know, I'm not going to, uh, you know, blow a bunch of smoke, but he did a good job in securing a deal that guarantees exposure on ABC, ESPN, ESPN2, and ESPNU. Meanwhile, the Mountain West is split between CBS Sports, right. sometimes CBS, sometimes Fox. That, that kind of muddled stuff. You want your fans to be able to find your games, and you want the casual viewer, the people there in right. B3s, to be able to find your games too. Right. Uh, we've got uh, Austin Cox on here with us. One thing Mike Oresco does know is television. I mean, that was his business for a number of years. ECU fans know that very, very well. So let me, let me ask you this. Uh, the Mountain West situation develops. Uh, everybody's going to stay together for whatever reason. So then, where did the? What are your sources telling you? Where did the American go? Where the? Because you know we had Dennis Dot on a couple weeks ago. This is after we had the ECU AD on the ECU pregame, and he says, "Yeah, John Gilbert says, yeah, we're we're, we're going to add four schools. I mean, very definitively, the plan is to add four schools." <laughs> this was the day after it was announced that the three are going to be leaving the American, and everybody's feeling good about it especially when what we were hearing was going to transpire possibly out of the, uh, out of the big or the mountain West, what we were just talking about. So uh mountain West situation blows up again, Mike Oresco will tell you, maybe no official offers were made, but who are you hearing? were were in the mix outside of the six that they settled on. Cause when Dodd said there could be six or eight being added, that just blew my mind. Uh, but obviously he was, he was onto something cause they, you know, the announcement of the six made today. So where are we as far as other schools that were in the mix? And, and, and then this obviously leads into the ESPN part of the conversation, I'm sure. Well, the one that's really surprised me is, a, uh, is James Madison, which was not a school that was exactly on my radar, but they have been talking to everyone. And right. as a result, in the last 24, 48 hours, have become one of the hottest properties out there, thankfully for Conference USA and Sunbelt, which we may end up seeing them fight over an FCS transitional school, which is just surprising to say the least. But there were uh, LA Tech was one that I thought 
uh, would have been a, a given in Liberty, which there was kickback throughout the league. Right. And I really can't, you know, go for that, but there was a lot of kickback for different reasons when it came to Liberty, which had nothing to do with their performance. That was their biggest selling point. It was more, I guess, just other things, the off the field things, mm-hmm. the universe. I, I get yeah. what you're saying there. Yeah. Okay. Uh, was Coastal in the mix at any point? Uh, well, here's, you know, the easiest way to put this is that, you know, there were some belt schools in the mix. And when they go for these negotiations, because that's what it is, even though the AAC contract has it set in place that you have this much money for this many teams, and if you add these teams, you'll get X amount in addition. Even though that's all in place, you still have to consult with ESPN. Right. And if you could picture almost a Venn diagram, there was what the AAC wanted, and there was the pool that ESPN made available. And pretty much what they ended up with with those six were the ones that met in the middle of what was ESPN said the AAC could take. Was Okay. Was there any um, – you know, I, I'm on board with Charlotte. I like that better than App. But I've yeah. heard that App was never really seriously considered. I don't know what you've heard, but that's that's what I've been told. I mean – Look, they had a sellout in football last night. They got a big win against Coastal, but they run the rest of that athletic department like a junior college. I mean, it's, you know, buses and uh, gas station sandwiches on the way to things. <laughs> you know, and... You're right. No, I mean, I'm being serious. That's what I was told yesterday. And so, yeah. you know, I don't think... And, and the app thing, because of all the resources they put in football, I think that have been real... And I've, I've been saying this for two years now. It'd be a real problem for ECU uh, football. It really would be, um, at least in the short term. So the Charlotte thing I can kind of get down with. Um, I I get it. I've wrapped my mind around FAU. I get it. I liked UAB, and I like Texas San Antonio from the start. The Texas San Antonio thing to me is the least talked about, perhaps biggest coup in this whole thing. Because when you look at their attendance, oh their yeah, attendance should have been their their punch their ticket. Right, exactly. I mean, there that's you talk about a market that's ready to grow. That's the one as far as college football goes because they don't have a pro team in there sucking any of the air out of the city as far as football goes. And you just have the Spurs. Yeah, I, mean, I actually I could see UTSA, and one of the things that I overheard said was that basically there's higher expectations for their growth than what we saw from Houston initially in yeah. the league because for those very points that you mentioned. They don't have a pro team there, and that gives UTSA that entire market, which for such a young program has done better in terms of TV numbers there in the town, in terms of controlling mm-hmm. the market and attendance, than some of these schools that have been around playing football for 50-plus years in the American. Yeah. All right, so that leads us back to Rice. I, I just I can't get yeah. down with that. I, I, I'm having, I cannot rationale why that made sense. I understand the academics. They do have a pretty sizable budget. Kind of shocked me how big their athletic budget is. Uh, the, the North Texas thing, I don't get it. But to me, there's more positives there than Rice because it's a, it's a, a pretty good academic institution. It's got a big alumni base in that region, big enrollment. How did Rice end up in this thing? Bayou Bucket was one of the – the keys there. I believe that they, since they're pretty much guaranteed to have that rivalry game every year with Houston, mm-hmm. it's going to get some exposure there. And as you've noticed, Patrick, and we talked about this, of course, and I'm sure your viewers are starting to, you know, look at these choices. Rice, it's in something that it doesn't deliver, but it's similar to Birmingham. It's similar to Charlotte. The hope is that 
these TV markets will get delivered over time because, you know, they might not own them now. But one thing is certain. We saw something with Memphis here in the American. And I know that the Tigers fans are really freaking out right now, just like Pirates fans. But, you know, we saw something with Memphis that was a surprise. They, they came out of nowhere. They had some moderate success in Conference USA, but the Memphis Tigers reached a level unforeseen in that program here in the conference. And, you know, looking around the league, it's very possible to see the schools that are, you know, of course, established members do that. But a school like UTSA with that's pulling minimum 35,000 fans in that Alamo Dome, controlling getting exposure on TV, mm -hmm. they can blow up fast. And of course, Rice, we don't expect that to happen, but the hope is that they bring some of that TV market there in Houston, because that's the only thing I can imagine that Rice brings to the table. Yeah, I guess tier one academics, but you know, we're not having yeah. a quiz bowl or anything last I checked. <laughs> so, I, you know, there's a reason behind it. Something, I think you kind of hit the nail on the head a little bit with the, the the Houston game will be one that will be played every year. Also, I do think there was a little bit of a play here, according to one of the reports that I read, that the you know the the American wanted to to prevent any sort of Mountain West encroachment into Texas because they're pretty much on the record saying they're not going to take UTEP, and that was the only Texas yeah. D or FBS that didn't get selected in this process or didn't get moved in this process, uh, which yeah, I think you got to feel for the miners right now. Yeah. Well, I do, I do, I do, I do. And I don't, <laughs> I, you know, it, it, it looks good. This is kind of looking good for Southern Miss. It's looking good for Marshall. Yeah. Uh, I think it's looking good for ODU. I really would have liked ODU to maybe be included in this, uh, in this American mix, but, uh, you know, it is what it is. Um, you know, and, and I guess James Madison, as you say, has kind of become the prettiest girl at the dance in a way. I mean, they're, they're really coveted right now. They're going to have a couple leagues fighting over them. Kind of, you know, yeah. I, I feel bad for Skip Holtz down at Louisiana Tech. Um, he's done a great job there. But, you know, what is, what's to become of Conference USA? Yeah, it really, that's a, that's a big question that's kind of looming over everybody as we, you know, look to see what happens here with the Sun Belt. And, you know, your listeners might not know, but, you know, you and I are talking on the phone yesterday and we're saying, hey, you know, maybe maybe the Sun Belt should just go ahead and take them. And, then, you know, I don't know how long it was. It felt like it was just a few minutes after I'm talking to you. We start to see, OK, Sun Belt's making a move. If that happens and we see Southern Miss, which absolutely deserves a decent landing spot somewhere. If we saw Southern Miss and L.A. Tech. And Western Kentucky, many of these schools, which would be actually rejoining the Sun Belt, if we saw them get absorbed, you know, you can't, I, I, you got to imagine that a school like UTEP's going to get left out in the cold. They're going to be going independent yeah. like New Mexico State or hoping for a life raft where they can get paired with New Mexico State and potentially join the Mountain West, which unfortunately for them has repeatedly turned down those offers. Yeah. You know, the El Paso market's a big TV market. And, uh, yeah. You know, I mean, those fans show up at the Sun Bowl every year. It's just—it's kind of an interesting—it's an interesting dynamic down there. Uh, Austin, thank you. We're, we're kind of uh, short on time here, but I didn't. Uh, we could talk about things involving all this for for another hour. But at the end of the day, uh, the American has expanded, uh, and uh, at least beginning in twenty twenty three, it's going to be a fourteen member league. Um, does the American, in your mind? 
maintain its status as the so-called P6 and some years a, a better conference than the so-called P5? You know, I, I really can see it remaining in that P6 position. And I know it seems a little bit, uh, it, it's hard to see it right now looking at all the change. And when there's a lot of change going on, there's a lot of, you know, waves and the current and a lot of splashing. But if you look past that, over on the horizon, you still got Memphis, a team that went to the Cotton Bowl, a team that has done a great job playing in the conference. You got Temple, which has had some great moments. Of course, uh, uh, winning some big awards, I believe it was uh, Tyler Matakevich a couple of years ago, won some of the biggest awards for single players here in the country. And we also have SMU, a ranked football team. We're, we're looking at the loss of Cincinnati and Houston and UCF, but we're forgetting that right now Houston's not ranked, UCF's not ranked, SMU's ranked, and then looking pretty good out there. And it's talking about a school that also has a pretty good basketball program when it comes to investment and the admin's willingness to invest in it. And then you got Memphis, another school that's where you're talking about them being ranked in the top 25 in men's basketball. Patrick, when I'm looking at this league, it's going to be a lot different, but it's still going to be the power six. We'll talk to you again soon. Thanks a lot, Austin. Take care, brother. Interesting uh, there. And you can check out uh, Austin's work at C Austin Cox on uh, Twitter bcsnn.com by the way rice has uh, apparently made some you know investments in their athletic infrastructure including a new indoor training facility for i guess athletics and football so that rice has got an indoor an indoor practice facility wonder if anybody had to start a gofundme for for that probably not rice has got a lot of money but maybe we'll follow in those footsteps the gofundme works maybe it's coming, trust me. It's coming. All right. Uh, big thanks today to Austin Cox. Uh, great job by uh, Philip uh, getting that Mike Oresco audio. Interesting stuff there. Uh, good to hear from uh, the coordinators. And uh, tomorrow, Sean Murphy, who is the uh, coach of JP2, they've had to change their game. Uh, they're going to be playing Hopton High School, so they're going to play 11 man football tomorrow. It was uh, announced this afternoon, so we'll talk to Coach about that. And. Their game next week against uh, Parrot from over in Kinston, which is a burgeoning rivalry. And Nikki Novak makes a triumphant uh, return to the show uh, tomorrow. Plus everything else going on, including Coach Houston, ahead of the game against Houston. That's all tomorrow on the Patrick Johnson Show. We'll see you then.